Good morning and happy Sabbath. Before we start, I want to express my honest appreciation for uh, everyone being here, for Sharissa and her team organizing the event, the music team, and specifically the conference facilitating this. Um, Elder Russell, and I don't know if there is anybody else here, probably they will be later, but I want to thank you for giving me the privilege to be with the precious people in this area. We uh, did pray before, but too much prayer and too much food, at least for me, cannot hurt. So let's uh, bow our heads and pray one more time. Father in heaven, in humility we come in your presence and thank you for the promise to be with us. And we acknowledge that there is nothing we can say that can change a heart. Only you can do that. So we pray that you'll be the one to speak, to touch, to transform, and that may all be for your glory and for your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name and thank you. Amen. <clears throat> what we did last night, it will be continued tonight. However, now we jump from slide eight to slide 73. <laughs> And I want to start with this statement that I believe is extremely important. I believe it is absolutely crucial. In order to grow, to be useful, to be fruitful, to be saved for anything good that happens in our life or in our churches, we must be filled with God's presence. Nothing good happens in human power. You understand what I said? It's pretty simple. We do know it. We do agree with it. It just doesn't happen. And I want to give you an example talking about being filled with God's presence, being led by God's presence, being controlled by God's presence, being basically one with God. It says in the Bible that the big people of faith, they walked, Abraham walked with God, Enoch walked with God, Noah, you remember? How do you walk with God? I'm going to give you a quick example. Um, when I was called at the GC <clears throat> a few years ago, um, I worked with a wonderful team. All of them better than me. I am the youngest, the least experienced, and the craziest, obviously. <laughs> but... I had to learn from them. And I would go once in a while and ask, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I have wonderful people in the team. And, and I'm happy to be part of the team. And, and uh, wonderful leadership and so on and so forth. This is not politics. They are not going to promote me or give me a better salary. So, <laughs> But uh, I'm not going to give you names or anything. But one of the people in the team... Wonderful lady, absolutely, absolutely wonderful, absolutely uh, very good in her job, very humble, very wise, very dedicated, doing an excellent work. I mean, just absolutely outstanding work. I respect her and love her as a brother, but, but she is sick. She has diabetes. Anybody here with diabetes? 
She has diabetes. And, and, and uh, uh, I have a habit. I eat. And I love food. And I don't feel guilty about it. In fact, <clears throat> I believe that God gave us food to rejoice in it, you know. And so my wife prepared my food. And she knows that I eat in the morning and I eat at 10 and I eat at 12 and I eat at 2 and I eat at 4 and I eat at 6. I eat at 8 and then around 1 a.m. I eat again and so on. And uh, I had my sandwich. It was 10 o'clock. Time to eat again. A snack, you know. And I looked at my sandwich. Beautiful. I mean, the, the, the lettuce and the cucumber and the tomato. Ah, tofu, whatever. And so everything there, everything there looked amazing. I looked at my sandwich. I had water in my mouth. I, I said a quick prayer. I could not say one long because I was hungry. I said a quick prayer. And then I said, Lord, again, I am asking today that you fill me with your presence. Ellen White in Desire of Ages, page 676, says, Jesus told us to abide in him. You remember the Bible verse? It is in John. Say it loud. 15. He says, I am the, and you are the. Separated from me, you can do how much? How much is nothing? Nada. Zero. Nothing. But... If you remain, abide in me, and I in you, you'll produce much. So this is very simple mathematics. If you have no fruit, it means that you are not in. Whoa. You may be going to church. You may sing kumbaya, eat tofu, say happy Sabbath. If you have no fruit, it means that you are not in Christ. Because if you are in Christ and Christ in you, the Bible clearly says that you'll produce not only fruit, hello, much fruit. Hello, that's the thermometer that you can check your spiritual life. Is there any fruit? Uh-uh. Well, then you keep going to church and, and you keep singing the song and going home, but Christ is not in you. And you need to seek Christ's presence. And then I says, this out of ages page, who was listening? 676, thank you. Man, I don't have gifts here. I will give you a gift. So, listen carefully. She says, abiding in Christ, quote, means a continual receiving of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what, 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 what I... Abiding in Christ, what does it mean? Continual, continual, every moment, every second, every day, receiving continually being filled, baptized fresh, anew, with the Holy Spirit. And then, later, she says, that means to walk with God. Later, at the end of the book, she says, Enoch walked with God. He was continually aware of God's presence, continually filled with the Spirit, and led by the Spirit. So, chew it. Digest it. So, let me tell you back to the story. I was ready to, 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 to bite my sandwich. You remember the story? Yes. Okay, you are back. Good. And so I pray, Lord, I really want to abide in you. I want to walk with you. I want to be filled with you. I want to be led by you. I want to hear your voice. I want to, to, to see your plan. I, I want to be led by the Spirit. And God said, okay, give your sandwich to your secretary. <laughs> I said, nonsense. I mean, I thought you would say, ask forgiveness, 
for losing your temper when you drive and people drive parallel, you know? A truck and a car, nobody ahead, two miles of cars behind, move! Let me go, you know? And why, my wife says, calm down, you are a pastor. But that doesn't allow them to... She says, calm down. <laughs> I thought God would say, abiding in Christ right now means, uh, Pavel, you need today to study more or to pray more. But Jesus says, in my mind, give your sandwich. I said, that's my food. I'm not going to give my sandwich. She doesn't need it. This is not Cuba. This is not Haiti. This is, this is America. We all have food. She'll be offended. I'm going to eat my sandwich. And the Lord said, do you want to be led by the Spirit? Yes. Give the sandwich. Lord, can I have half of it? <laughs> and then I felt really bad because we say, oh, I love Jesus with my whole heart. And we argue for a sandwich? So I said, okay. I took my sandwich, went around the corner, around the corner. And the lady is sleeping during work. She has never done, I've never seen that before. She's always working. She was with her head on her desk. She said, hello, and she doesn't move. Hello, and she doesn't move. Uh-oh. I said, are you okay? And she does this. I said, I came to give you my sandwich. <laughs> Hoping that she says, I don't need it. <laughs> she took it. Pfft, I had pain in my stomach right there. And she took a long forever break, like when you go to the dentist. I mean, nothing was happening for several seconds and I was waiting, come on, do something because I am, I am, my saliva is, you know, do something, eat it or give it back. And she doesn't move. And then she takes a bite and then she takes another break of one prophetic hour and then she takes another bite and then I, I wait there, I say, what's wrong? You know, I mean, she doesn't eat, she doesn't wake up. Eventually she gets her head up and she says, I have a pump that drops insulin and the pump broke, and I didn't realize I was working. And my shoulder went this way, and then went this way, and then when finally I realized I am dizzy, I measured it was 32. And then she said, I wanted to talk to somebody, I got up and I fell down. And then she said, my sugar was fast going down, and eventually she said, I lost conscience. And I woke up, and I wanted to scream, I could not, I wanted to walk, I could not, I wanted to call somebody, I could not. And I realized I am dying. So I prayed, Lord, send somebody with some food so my sugar would go up. <laughs> what does it mean to be abiding in Christ? To be continually, 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 every second, every hour, every day, from morning through night, continually led by the Spirit. You cannot afford for a second, to be led by self. Because when you are led by self, guess who leads you? Satan. Satan. You say, no, no, I'm right in the middle. It's not God leading, it's not Satan. If it's not God, it's Satan, I tell you for sure. Because Jesus says, who is not with me, is against me, period. Led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, continually led by the Spirit. I want you to know, before we start the subject, this is not even introduction, it's just the title. Before we start the subject, I want you to know, Every single good part of your spiritual life or your church spiritual life happens only when the Holy Spirit leads it. If God doesn't lead it through the Spirit, then it doesn't happen. Jesus said 
It is better for you if I go. And the disciples, how could it be better if you go? And he said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. It's better, in fact, if I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send you the comforter. And he, now listen carefully, he will lead you in how much? How much means all? He will lead you in all things, that the translation, in all truth, in all things. He will lead you in all, not in this and not in that, in all. So, when something good happens, happens by the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, nothing good happens. I want you now to listen carefully. As we start moving a little, I'm going to give you another example. So, I talk to people as I travel. And... Uh, Prayer, we all say we believe in prayer. How many believe in prayer? Don't be shy. Get your hand up. If not, you are in trouble. Okay. <laughs> it's easy to believe in prayer, but it's a little more difficult to be committed to prayer. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that the disciples were dedicated, other translation, committed to prayer. You remember? To be committed to prayer. I want you to know, uh, from a little of my study, I didn't do enough. It, there is always more room to study. But from what I have seen so far and what I've studied so far, there has been no revival in the earth history whatsoever without people praying for the Holy Spirit. Every single, no exception, 100%, every single revival in history has happened when a group of people, like Jesus says, whenever two or three, a group of people got together, together, whenever two or three prayed together, togetherness, there is power. A group of people got together and prayed in one accord for the Holy Spirit. And it didn't happen after a prayer. Ellen White says that the disciples, it took them 10 days and 10 nights to be together. And the Holy Spirit didn't come in the beginning because they had to be transformed in order to be ready for the coming of the Holy Spirit. You understand? So it takes a time of preparation. You don't go to medical school today and tomorrow you perform a surgery on me. No! It takes a time to prepare, to be ready so the Holy Spirit could take control and you would be willing to surrender. We don't, it's not so easy as we think. Lord, come, take over, done. Uh-uh. It, it takes some transformation that God has to do in you so you are ready to be fully led. You follow me? Okay, and so I'm going to give you an example. I, uh, I got a phone call. I get many phone calls. Who knows? 100 a day or more. <clears throat> I got a phone call. And, uh, and messages and text messages and voice messages and emails. And some of them are long, brother. Oh, sister, they are like, they write a whole episode, you know. They cannot say it in three words, you know. They start from Adam and Eve and finish at Revelation and just go and go and go and go. If you read 100 of them, your day is gone. So I got a phone call and the lady starts, wonderful lady. And she says, oh, and do you believe in revival? And do you believe? I said, don't give me the flowers, just give me the food. She says, but we, don't give me the introduction. What do you want? I don't have time. She says, man, you go straight to the subject. Yes, please do the same. And she says, well, bottom line, we are dying. I said, everybody is dying. What are you talking about? He said, well, our church, our little church is dying. I said, yeah, most churches die. Tell me, can you be concise? She says, we prayed together, but nothing happened. I said, well, how long did you pray? Well, for about two weeks. 
I said, wonderful. I didn't go to school two weeks and nobody gave me the graduation uh, degree, you know? You don't go to school for two weeks and you become an engineer, do you? Why do you think that you go to prayer for two weeks and you are filled by the Spirit and transformed and you are holy and you fly and you, you know? Why do you think that? And she said, well, how long do you want us to pray? I said, until. She said, how long? I said, until. She said, what do you mean? I said, until you are filled, until you are ready, until the Holy Spirit can control you. She said, well, that's kind of difficult. I said, that's the reason you need to pray much. I said, you tell us that we need to keep praying. I said, well, Ellen White says that prayer is the breath of the... Let me ask you, how long do you breathe? How, how, two days, is it enough? What, a week? Brother, don't stop breathing, please. Because then we have a funeral. The same with prayer. Don't stop praying because you are going to die spiritually. You follow me? So I, I said, prayer is not to get results. Prayer is not to get blessings or help. Prayer is to keep you continually abiding Christ. Don't pray only when you have a crisis or a need or routine. Thank you for being with me last night. Please be with me today. Or thank you for this food. Uh-uh. Pray without. It's like breathe without. Because prayer is the breath of the soul. And if you want to stay connected, you need to stay praying. You follow me? So I said, lady, don't pray to receive the Holy Spirit, though you should pray to receive the Holy Spirit. But if you don't receive the Holy Spirit, you get discouraged. Pray to stay connected. And the more you are connected, the more you are transformed, and the more you are ready, and the more the Holy Spirit can take over. He says, oh, you talk about not an event, a month of prayer. You talk about a lifestyle. Yay, finally, praise the Lord. I said, you are listening. And she said, uh, what plans do you suggest for our church? I said, I'm not God. I don't know your church. I don't know the community. I don't know the people. I don't know the needs. You need to go to God and he needs to give you the plan because if he gives you the plan, he gives you the blessing. If I give you the plan, don't expect a blessing. I don't have one. Okay. So she said, okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And I heard nothing more. Many years later, I go to France. France is extremely, extremely, extremely secular. Very difficult for the church there to grow because they are in an extremely secular society. People don't have a concept of religion anymore. And so I go to France to speak for ASI. As I go to France, a guy comes to me. And the guy hugs me and cries over my shoulder. I said, okay, okay, God bless you. Okay, can I go now? And then a lady comes. She says, you know me? I said, no. I mean, how many hundreds of people there? How could I know, you know? And she says, you remember that I called you? No, so many people call me. And then she says, this is what I did. We got together a group and we prayed. And I got... Uh, we were listening to your sermons, to your seminars, and we started to pray for the Holy Spirit, and we started to get together, and we started to ask God for the plan. And I wanted to reach my kids and my grandchildren, but they don't want to hear about God or church. In fact, my grandson told me, if you ever talk about God again, I will not even greet you, I will not even call you. You don't exist. I, I hate to talk religion. I don't believe it's foolishness. And then she said, my grandson, the one who just hugged you, has been in drugs, in this, I'm not going to name everything, in that, and Baha'i worship, and this, and that, and craziness. And then she says, all he wants from me is money for drugs. 
So we have been praying for God's plan. And God inspired me and I called him. I said, you ask me for money? Yes. I'm going to give you money if you do something for me. Oh, don't ask me to mow the grass. No, I'm not asking. Don't ask me to come to church. No, I'm not going to. I want you to translate these sermons from English to French. I don't want to listen to sermons. Hey, I didn't ask you to believe or to get baptized. I didn't ask you to do some physical work. I asked you to translate them. How much do you pay? So you say, I don't have to go to church. No. I don't have to be baptized. No. I don't have to believe. No. Just translate. Yes. Okay, how much do you pay? 15 euro an hour. 20. Okay, 20. Done. The guy started to translate the sermons. After the 16th sermon, he asked for baptism. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story. He went to his bodies of drugs and alcohol and so on and so forth. I said to them, I cannot help. This is literally life. This has power to change, transform when there is no hope. This not only transforms, changes everything. This has changed my life. You guys, you need to listen. And they said, you lost your mind. Hey, it's me. You know me. Listen to one minute. If you don't like, don't listen again. Just one minute. We have done so many things together. One minute is not too much to ask. And then he said to me, together with the old lady, over 150 people that are here in the audience are from the people that I used to drink with. They have been listening to the sermons. Isn't that amazing? In France. They did the SID evangelism with them with the involvement of the union and so on and so forth. 232 got baptized. That's in France. That's what I was told. I was not there. I wish I was there. But I was not there. Folks, the Holy Spirit can do above and beyond your plans or imagination. And yet, we pray so little for the Holy Spirit. That was the introduction. Let's start the sermon. And so, listen, very important. The Bible is very clear. We did hear the Bible verses, didn't we? We did. Now, I want you to focus on something. Man, ants. <laughs> okay. I want you to focus on something. The disciples realized, we said last night, that they could not do the mission in their own power. You remember? So they obeyed, she says, Jesus' command, and they prayed together for one purpose, one request. What was that? For the outputting of the promise of the comforter. They prayed together. And Ellen White says, when the Holy Spirit came, illuminated their mind, and they understood what? What did we say last night? The cross. And that grabbed their hearts, melted their hearts, and they realized that God died for them. And they instantly loved him so much that they were ready, joyfully, to die for him. And they, listen carefully now, could no longer be quiet, could not help, but tell it. they got excited. They told everybody. They went from city to city, and they were like, wow, this is, this is big. This is the good news. They got excited. How excited are you when you talk about, Jesus, wake up. If you are not excited, it means you don't understand the grace. 
If you don't jump up, this is the best news in the universe, in the history. If you don't jump up and down, if you don't scream, it means that you don't get it. God died for you. Why are you sad? You follow me? The disciples got excited. And they could no longer help. Helen White says, if you have not been converted, you don't tell others. Because when you have been converted, it's like a fire. You cannot hold it. You go to church, you are sad, and you want to convince others to get what you have because you have nothing. Uh, uh, dead people walking. You cannot give your hopelessness to people around unless you really get the love of Christ. You follow me? That's what you can give. Now let me move here a little and express something. God called the church to be, who knows the paragraph from the book of Acts of the Apostles. The church is God's agency for the salvation. Yes, say it again. The church is God's appointed agency for the salvation. God called us to mission. The reason, she says, for the existence of the church is to save the lost. But God called Israel to mission. Exodus chapter 25. He says to Israel, you, not only Aaron, are a kingdom of priests. And then I says, Israel was called to show the love of God to a world that didn't know God. Israel was called not to be saved alone, but to be a light to how many nations? To be a blessing to how many nations? Their house of prayer was to be a house of prayer for how many nations? But what did they do? What did they do? Wars? And they said, only the Jew. You follow me? <clears throat> Let me give you an example. I was 17. I became the choir director. I was like a turkey, you know. Ooh, I'm somebody. I'm the choir director. Proud. And I prepared... You probably have heard me telling this story. The best possible Christmas program in the history of the universe. <laughs> I thought so. And we had four months preparation. And we had songs and men choir and women choir and children choir and the church choir. And we had poetry and we had drama and we had everything. It was a just absolutely outstanding Christmas program. And we performed the program and the whole church was ecstatic about it. And I was humble. You know, and after the program was over, the church applauded and I go home like a turkey, you know, full of myself. And I say to my father, I didn't say, hey, well, how did I do? I said, um, did you enjoy the program? And my father says, what program? He said, where have you been? He says, what program? The Christmas program. Ah, okay. He says, who prepared the program? I won't say me, but I, uh, I said, we. He says, who is we? I said, well, uh, we. He says, who? I said, the church youth. And my father says, who did you prepare the program for? I said, for us. He says, for who? For the church. He says, you tell me that you prepared the program and you listened to the program? I said, son, if you have a cow and the cow makes milk and the cow drinks the milk, why do you have a cow? And then he said, son, 
You don't do agriculture in the barn. You go in the field and do agriculture and bring the harvest in the barn. Stop doing church in the church. Go, as Jesus told you, and do church in the field and bring the harvest in the barn. You do just like Israel. Church between four walls. That's exactly what Satan wants. He said, bye, come to me when you do church. Whoa. I thought he was too rough. <laughs> That's what we do, don't we? That's what we do, don't we? We sing, we listen, we applaud, we go home. What a wonderful program we had. Our children are so beautiful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Grow up. God called us to be a light and salt for the nations. To spread what God told Israel. In Exodus chapter 25, you are a kingdom of priests. Because Israel failed to do their mission, God rejected them. Not because he could not save them. And God called you in the New Testament, you and me. And in Peter, he says that we are a kingdom of priests to spread God's love to a perishing world. And if you don't do the mission, the stones will do it, but you'll be responsible for it. Hello? And so, let's, let's try to start the sermon. And so, let's, let's move on. To do the mission, the disciples were unable to do it. So they prayed for, and the Holy Spirit came as the, how we call it, early rain. And then Eleanor says, the early rain came to enable them to start the work. But the latter rain is even more abundant, she says, and it will enable us to finish the work. So what do we need to pray right now to finish the work? We need to pray for the? Latter rain. We need to pray for rain. We need to pray for rain. Now, I want you to listen carefully because as we go a little deeper, look what she says. With the reception of the Holy Spirit, how many gifts do you receive? How many? Let's suppose you are my son or my daughter. I don't have so many. Okay. And let's suppose I'm very rich, I wish. And you are very poor. I don't wish, but anyway, let's suppose you, your car is broken and you have a Toyota, you like Toyotas, I noticed everywhere is Toyotas, okay? You have a Toyota Camry that is 1972. Uh, anybody remembers? And your car is rotten, broken, coughing, whatever, smoking. And you have a junk. And your car doesn't start well, and your car is just, is just a junk falling apart. And I own the Toyota dealer. And I own the Mercedes dealer, and I own the Subaru dealer, and I own the Tesla dealer. Hey, hey, and I own, and I own, what else? What do you like? Honda dealer. Okay, what else? BMW, Porsche? Huh? Hyundai, come on. That's not a car. Tell me a car. Rolls Royce, thank you. So I own, let's say, 10, 15 dealers. I, they are mine. I am filthy rich. I don't even know the amount of money I have. I, I am rich. And you come to me, Daddy, my bumper fell on the interstate. Can you please, 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 Daddy, give me a bumper? They say, son, you don't need a bumper. Your car is a junk. You need to come here. Be with me. And I give you the dealer. 
I don't give you only a new car. I give you the dealer. You can, it's all yours. You can choose whatever car you want. No, daddy, you don't get it. I need a bumper. No, you don't get it. You don't need a bumper. Because you fix the bumper and tomorrow you lose the alternator. What you need, you need to be with me so you get the dealership. And you don't listen because you are blind and deaf and you go with the bumper and come tomorrow. Daddy, you're right. I lost the alternator. Please give me an alternator. Please, please, please give me an alternator. You don't need an alternator. Don't you get it? Wake up. You need to be with me to get the dealership. No, I need an alternator. I'm desperate. I'm in a crisis. I need an alternator. That's what we do with the Holy Spirit and with God. When we receive, we go for this and this and this and this and this and this instead of going for the Holy Spirit. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, all other gifts come with the Holy Spirit. So stop asking for gifts. Start asking for the Holy Spirit. Do you follow me? And so, let's move a little. Not only that she says that all other gifts, but she says this promise claimed by faith brings all other blessings together. Isn't that wonderful? Why don't we pray for the Holy Spirit? I want to move on because we have no time. We need to grow. Spiritually, our churches need to grow. Agree or, agree or not? I don't even care if you agree. But anyway, so we need to grow. We need to grow. We need to grow. We need to grow. How do you grow? How do you grow? Is it good to go to church? Why don't you answer? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is it good to be baptized? Yes. Hallelujah. Is it good to keep Sabbath? Absolutely. I don't know why some of you didn't answer. Is it good to pray? To study the Bible? Yes. Is it enough? No. Absolutely not. Pharisees went to church. Am I right or wrong? Yes. Pharisees prayed. Pharisees studied the Bible. Am I right? Yes. But they were not filled with God's presence. You can have the doctrines of God and not have the God of the doctrines. And you can reach the point to worship the doctrines and persecute the God as the Pharisees did. And to think that because you have the doctrines, you are okay. And not understand that while they are good doctrines, because they are God's doctrines, they are not going to help you unless you get God too, because they come in a package. You need to have both God and his doctrines. You cannot have only God and ignore the doctrines, or only the doctrines and ignore God. You need to have both. And that's when growth happens. It's not when you go to church, though you should go. It's not when you keep Sabbath, though you should keep Sabbath. It's when you are filled with the God of the church. That's when growth happens. Let me explain. It's good to go to school, but it's not enough. You need to graduate. It doesn't help you if you go to school and you never graduate. It's good to be married, but it's not enough. You need to stay married. Am I right? It's good to, 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 to be baptized, but it's not enough. You need to grow. It's good to have a baby, but it's not enough. The baby needs to grow. If the baby doesn't grow, go to the doctor. The baby is sick. This, this is what we think. I got baptized, praise the Lord. And we think that's the end of the story. No, brother, no, sister. That's not the end of the story. When a baby is born, trust me, it's the beginning of the story. If you had babies, you know what I am talking about. When the baby is born, that's only the beginning. The baby is going to cry. The baby needs to be burped. The baby needs to be changed. The baby needs to be fed. 
Why do you think that people get baptized? And that's it. Uh-uh. That's the reason we have problems. You get out of the water, and then we go back to our previous life. Because we fail to understand that it's not only justification, but then it takes sanctification. It's not only to be baptized, but then you need to be filled with the Spirit. And daily, daily, continually, continually grow closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to Jesus until you and Him are one. You follow me? We fail to understand that part. You remember the story that I tell, you in, uh, I tell people in sermons. We, I was about, I don't know, 17, 18, that crazy time in my life. And the pastor took us all to the Black Sea. And uh, the Black Sea, here is the Black Sea. And here is a lake called Tekirgyol. It's a beautiful, beautiful, big, salty lake, like Salt Lake City. But it's gigantic. I don't know how big it is. I, I, I think I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Doesn't matter. I think it was about four or five kilometers wide and about 10 or more kilometers long. And the pastor challenged the youth. 20, I don't know how many, 25 young people, 27, 20, whatever. Who can cross the lake swimming? Oh, I've never lost any competition. I win or I die. I don't care if I die. And I, when the pastor said, who's going to cross the lake? You know, but that lake, people have died there. Why? Because when you jump in, you look over the other side and homes are like this. It's far. That's when you are up. When you get down, down, down the beach, down the sand, get to the water and get in the water and the waves, you swim one minute and you still see the, the tents and the people on the on the beach, but as you keep swimming, they are smaller and smaller, eventually you see nothing. In any direction you look is only water. And you swim and you swim and you swim one hour, two hours, three hours, and you don't know, are, am I going straight or in circles? Am I going length or, or, or wide? You know, am I going to the left or to the right? Am I? And people get discouraged and stop, and then they keep swimming, and they turn around and go in the wrong direction, and they just give up. And the pastor said, who can cross the lake? So I call my daddy. Hey, daddy, I want to win the competition. What do I do? My father said, listen, just one single secret. I said, what? He said, keep, keep focused. I said, well, I know that. He said, no, you don't. <laughs> I, I said, I do. He said, don't let anything, he said, distract your attention. Don't let anything, anybody, don't talk to anybody, don't be kind, don't, be, don't respond, don't. Just be focused. Be focused on your goal. I said, how do you do that? He said, well, keep your eyes on the ball. I said, okay. We got in the water. The pastor and two other parents got in the water with three canoes, three boats, small boats. And he said, if you are tired, get in the boat so you don't die. Whoa, there were there the Schwarzeneggers and the Rambos. You know, big muscles. I was, you know, Nobody. And they got in the water and they... Me? You know? Papa is the sailor man. No Spanish, no muscles. I started to sing. To impose myself a rhythm. And they were like... Me, 
and they were resting in the water and they was <laughs> and they say, hey, Pavel caught us. He, he, he is coming. So they got again and then <laughs> me <laughs> caught them. They were already tired, exhausted and I passed them the hey, Pavel went, let's caught you. They came from behind, they caught up with me, and then... <laughs> and I kept going. Slow, continually, continually. And they said, Pavel, take a break. Me? Hey, man, stop a second, rest. And then one by one, they got tired, distracted, and they gave up, and they got in the boats. Until all but two, me and my friend Pizzi, were still in the water. And then the pastor came by us and said, get in the boat. Guess what I said? <laughs> hey, you didn't do half of the lake. You are going to die. Get in the boat. You and your friend, you are alone in the water. There is nothing to prove. You already won the competition, the contest. Get in the boat. Guess what I said? Are you deaf? <laughs> Eventually he said, we cannot wait for you. I, got, I lost it. I said, go. You'll die. I'm happy to die. They left. They went to the restaurant. They ate. They had fun. When I got there, they said, okay, we are waiting for you. Get in the bowl. Let's go back. I got some water, jumped in the water. They said, don't be crazy. You'll never make it. I was back where I started from. Why? Keep your eyes on the ball. Jesus told you to focus on one thing. And do your... And Satan is so happy to keep us distracted so many things. And let me... Man, we need to start the sermon. What time is it? No more time for that. We started late. Not my fault. But anyway, so let me explain something here. Without the Holy Spirit, what did I say? There is no growth. There is no salvation. There is no mission. There is no heaven. There is nothing. The Holy Spirit is the one. The Holy Spirit is the one that would take us from baptism to salvation, from stage to stage, from stage to... We only, only by the power of the Holy Spirit we can be restored in God's image. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand um, the, how is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? We will not manage, most likely, we will not manage to finish not even half of the presentation. And I wanted you to know what we started last night. I want you to go at least another 20 slides because those quotations are so deep, so powerful, that it, they have the potential to change somebody's life. They are so rich that you read them and you stop it over every word and you digest it and you say, this is deep. Those quotations you should not lose. They can change a life, they can change a family, they can change a church. If you digest them, you cannot be the same. And so, let me explain. How do you grow? How do you make it to heaven? How does your church grow? The kingdom of heaven, if you want to get there, is like 10 virgins. Uh, let's stop here. I'm not going to go to the slides. 
Why 10? Why not 7? So 7 is a holy number. Why not 12 like the disciples? Why, why 10? Tell us, huh? <laughs> I tell you exactly why 10. At the sanctuary service, the priests that went in went in groups of 10. Also the Levites went in groups of 10. Not 9, not 11. And in Israel mindset, when you said 10, they instantly knew it's about serving at the sanctuary. So here, to begin with, right when you start the story, you know that Jesus talks about service. This is about service. God didn't call you just to be saved. God didn't call Israel just to be saved. He called them to service. And you'll never be saved unless you understand service. Jesus came to serve, and he called you to serve. And if you are not willing to serve, go home, eat a nonsense pizza, watch a stupid movie, because you lose your time in the church. It's all about service. Heaven is based on service. If you don't know to serve, you'll not be happy in heaven. So to begin with, Jesus talks about service. Ten virgins called to service. Ten virgins. Ten virgins. Why virgins? Woman in the Bible represents church. The virgin woman represents the pure church dressed in white. Christ's righteousness. Christ's robe of righteousness. The apostate, the, the, the prostitute woman is dressed in, in Revelation, is dressed in? Scarlet. What color is that? Red. And she represents the church that is? Okay, good so far. Now, we talk about virgins. How many were they? Ten. But how many of them were wise? How, how many of them were foolish? Okay, the five wise are the church. The five foolish are who? The church. Because they are all virgins. You follow me? Virgin is the church. They are all virgins. They are not five in red and five in white. They all have lamps. They all have, have, have uh, oil. They all get baptized. They all sing kumbaya. They all eat uh, soy products. They all uh, go to Sabbath school. They all go to care meeting. They all say happy Sabbath. They are all members. They are the church. We don't talk about the world. We don't talk about the scarlet dressed woman. We talk about the church. How many? Ten, service, virgins, church, dressed in white, Christ, robe of? Okay, they all have lamps. What is the lamp? Well, the Bible is very clear. What is the lamp? What is the lamp? Only? Let me give you two Bible verses and then you'll know. Psalm 119.05, thy word is a lamp. However, listen now, Proverbs 6.23. Repeat. What does he say there? The commandments are a lamp. Whoa, did you know that? Proverbs says, for the commandments are a lamp and the law is a light. Did you know that? So what do these virgins have? They have the commandments. What church does have the Ten Commandments? Uh-huh, he's talking about you and me. So we talk here about the church that has the commandments. Listen carefully. They have the lamp. 
How many of them have oil in the beginning? All, when they get baptized, they receive the Holy Spirit. They, not only five. When they get baptized, they all go to church. They are all excited. Brother, 20 years ago when I got baptized, I was such in love with God and the church. Why 20 years ago, not today? They all, in the beginning, jump in the water and start the race well. Not all finish the race. They all go to school. Not all graduate. You follow me? In the beginning, they all have oil. They all sing. You remember the song? I love you, Lord. And I... You, you know the song? They all sing it. But eventually, they cool down. They get distracted, says Ellen White. They get distracted. Satan gets them distracted. And so, more than that, they are waiting for the groom. That's parousia. What does it mean? Waiting for Jesus to come. What church is waiting for Jesus? Even our name says that. Okay, they are waiting for Jesus. Now listen carefully. Very important. Very important. How many of them fall asleep? All? Including the wise? How many means all? Nine out of ten? All ten? That means that you are sleeping and I am sleeping. <laughs> Preaching while sleeping. <laughs> How many are sleeping? By the sleeping disciples, it represents a sleeping church when the day of God's detention is near. It's a time of crime. When the, to found asleep is dangerous. Christ is at the door. Men and women are in the last hours of probation. Yet... The preachers have no power to wake them up. Why? Because the preachers themselves sleep too. Preaching, pre sleeping preachers preaching to sleeping people. I'm not sleeping. You are not sleeping. So what does he mean? Listen carefully. Very important. Sleeping, very important. I want you to hear. Sleeping here could be many things. One of them, I want you to get it. To be ignorant to the events around you. To not be aware the urgency of the times that you live in. Satan wants you to be sleeping to the urgency of preparation. Satan wants you to be so busy with other things as you would be sleeping instead of preparing. You follow me? The groom was coming... And they were sleeping to be so preoccupied with other things that Peter says that they are going to be burned or consumed. Do you remember? How many things do you take to heaven? Huh? Yourself and the people that you saved. That's it. You don't take your car to heaven. You don't take your job or your house to heaven. So you, as might, you know, give them to me because you don't take them anyway. So. <laughs> so to be so preoccupied that you are sleeping to the urgency of what you live, the, what's going on in the world, in the society, Jesus is coming. But also sleeping can mean some other things. Sleeping to the thought that you need the Holy Spirit. And you go to church and you think you are okay because you keep Sabbath, what is good. You return tight, what is good. You eat clean, what is good. You know the doctrines, what is good. And you think you are okay and you don't realize you are not ready because you are not filled with oil. Your lamp is not filled with oil. So Jesus, I don't know you. And say, Lord, we've been going to church. 
and you hear the absolutely tragic words, I don't know you. And Elena White says, because they missed the fellowship of the Spirit. And I'm going to give you the quotation. It's not enough to go to church if you go to church and you don't understand that you need to be filled with oil, otherwise you'll be out. You are sleeping, and Satan wants you to be sleeping. But sleep can mean something else. What else? Jesus, during the storm, was... Wake up! Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus, peacefully. Peter in prison, what was... Tomorrow they were supposed to kill him, and Peter was doing what? Sleeping like a baby. What does the spirit of prophecy say about that? Say, in, in the hour of ages, Jesus was sleeping, the disciples wake him up, and Ellen White says, because he knew that he is safe, I put it in my words, he was safe in the Father's hands. He knew that he is safe. Peter, in the book of uh, Acts of the Apostles, slept because he knew, she says, that God is in control. So what sleeping can mean? A sense of safety. You go peacefully to sleep because we are Israel, Abraham's children, God's people, Adventists. We, have you heard anybody saying, we have the truth? Huh? We have the doctrines. We have the sanctuary. We understand the Bible. We are God's people. And that gives you a false sense of security. It doesn't mean that if you know the truth, you are filled by the Spirit. You can know the truth and perish. Satan knows the truth. To be fooled by the impression that because you know it, it means you have it. Hello? Let me prove it to you. When they wake up, how many wake up? How many? Including the foolish? What do they do when they wake up? Remember what does the Bible say? They go to trim... Why? Because if you know that you are not ready, you don't try to trim it. You know, I don't have oil. Why trim it? They think that they have oil. So they are sleeping to the reality of their tragic spiritual life. You follow me? They think that they are filled with oil and they don't even know that they have missed the spirit. Hello? Sleeping. Sleeping. How did it happen, brother? How did it happen? How? How? Let me tell you how. They got baptized. Brother A and brother B, sister A and sister B, okay? And they go to church and they study and they get involved and they love Jesus and da, 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 da. Five years later, this group, they still wake up every morning at 4.30 or 5 or 5.30. They say, Lord, please... Please, wake me up in the morning. I would rather die than to go without you. Please, if you don't go with me, I am not going to move. I don't care if I lose my school or my job. Lord, without you, I have no business to go out of this house. I am nothing separated from you. Please, fill me today. Every day. They do that how many days a week? Every single day. Lord, I need you, I need you, every, I need you, I need you, I need you, I am desperate with Lord, please. And they make God a priority, number one, everything in their life, above job, above family, above life. Every single morning, they dedicate, set a, 
as holy set time aside for communion with God. And they plead for the, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, for a fresh baptism of the, the Holy Spirit daily. Daily they feel their lamps. Daily they feel their lamps. Daily they feel their lamps with spirit. The other group, they go to church, they sing kumbaya, they do everything, they eat the tofu, they do the Sabbath school, they do the happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath and hugging, they eat the potluck, they are good people, they don't break the Sabbath, they don't cheat on their spouse, they pay their taxes, good citizens, they, they know the doctrines, they go to camp meeting, but they get busy with this and that and that and that, and I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do that, and they eventually think, because they go to church, they are okay. And they have no time to be daily filled with oil. And they do have the lamp. <clears throat> what is that? The commandments, the word. The lamp is the form that holds the content, the oil. They do have the external form, but they don't have the content. And they confuse the forms with the relationship. They have replaced relationship with forms. And they think because they have the forms, they must be okay. And they go to trim the lamps and they don't even realize they have no relationship with God. And God says, I don't know you. You just had a form of religion without its power because you don't have the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, power comes. Do you follow me? That's the difference between wise and foolish. It's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to study your Bible. In fact, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, stop studying the Bible. Because the spiritual things could be understood how? Pharisees read the Bible. If you read the Bible as a duty, you don't get anything. It has the, the power of the Holy Spirit has to be there to help you understand what he meant and to transform your heart. It's not your study that's going to transform you. It's the Holy Spirit in the world that's going to transform you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, stop praying. Because if you do your routine prayer, blah, 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 amen. It's not going to change you. Because the Holy Spirit has to teach you how to pray and to intercede for you. You follow me? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, stop going to church. It's not a club. Hello? It is the relationship that we miss. Therefore, to know God is not the word didaskalo that means in Greek theoretical mind knowledge. It's the word genosko that means in Greek intimate relationship. It is the word that Jesus says, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Be still, the word Rafa, and know the word yada in Hebrew. Rafa means, doesn't mean be still, means don't be anxious to solve your problems. When you go to prayer, don't go, ah, I need this and I need that and I. Don't be anxious. Elena says, God knows your problems before you tell him, before you had a problem, before you were born. He doesn't need to be informed. Don't be anxious when you go in his presence. Be still, calm down. And then he says, no, yada. Yada was what God told Adam and Eve to sleep together and have babies. So God says, when you come in my presence, don't be anxious to solve problems. Rather, try to have an intimate relationship with me. Try to know me and to be filled with me. Because you, if you know me, if you understand me, if you keep your eyes on me, if you are filled with me, that will take care of everything else. That's what you need. The problem that you have and you pray for is not the real problem that you have. Your real problem is that you don't know me. That's your problem. Stop trying to solve your problems. Start trying to know me. Hello? You understand? That's what the five foolish missed. They go to church, 
but they have no relationship. So let me, our time is up. I'm hungry. We need to finish. <laughs> we'll, we'll continue tonight. We, we have no possible way in the world to finish this, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit will impress you with what you need. But listen, folks. This is absolutely life and death serious. Jesus is coming. Like it or not, ready or not, Jesus is coming. You don't need to be an Adventist, just look around. Jesus is coming, finally. We shall see him with our eyes. The question is, when you see him, do you have oil or not? It's not enough if you had oil 20 years ago when you got baptized. You need to have oil daily. Not today or tomorrow. Daily. At any moment, you need to be ready. That's the reason. You should not play games with the Holy Spirit. You need to daily seek to be filled with oil. Because that's the difference between saved and lost. The five that were filled with oil were saved. The other five that lacked oil, they were lost. It's a matter of being filled with God's presence through his spirit. And so, what you really need to ask yourselves, why don't we have fruits? Because you'll know them by their fruits. It's Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the how do you know if you have the Spirit? Very simple. Two tests. Number one, you'll know them by their fruits. If you have the Spirit, you have the fruit. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have the fruit. Stop trying to produce the fruit. Ah, oh, if I try hard. It's not your fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit because it's the fruit of the Spirit. That means that it's the fruit of the Spirit. That means that only the Spirit can produce the fruit because it's His. You can try forever. You are going to produce the fruit of the human nature. Better be God calling you. <laughs> so listen carefully. If you are an apple tree and you want to make banana, regardless how hard you try, you'll still make apples. You need to be a banana tree to make bananas. You cannot make the fruit of the Spirit because it's the fruit of the Spirit. You need to be filled with the Spirit and the Spirit in you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So instead of trying to produce the fruit, you need to try to be filled with the Spirit. That's your job. Number two test. How do you know if you have the Spirit? He says, I baptize you with water, but he who comes after me will baptize you with Spirit and? Spirit and? Fire. When the Spirit came on the mountain with Elijah, what came? Fire. When the disciples received the Spirit, what else came? Fire. Elena White says, when we are baptized with the Spirit, it's going to be like a Fire. She says, you will have a passion for the Lord and the passion for people. So this is how you know if you have the Spirit. If you don't have a passion for God, thirst, hunger, as a deer is thirsty for water, so my, my soul is thirsty for you. I want you more than life. I do have problems, but I want you more than to solve my problems. I don't need your blessings. I need you. Yes, it would be nice to get the blessings too, but that's not what I thirst for. I want you. I want you more than life. The day with you is better than a thousand days in Hollywood. A day, I want you. I want to be in your sanctuary. I want to be in your presence. I want to pray. Why do you sometimes struggle to pray? Shouldn't you desire to pray? 
I want to be with you. I want to watch you. You know, when you love your spouse, you want to be with your spouse. A passion for God, a passion for prayer, a passion for study, a passion for people. I care for my neighbor. I care for my colleague. I care. I care. I don't want them lost. Jesus died for them. I care for them. I will do whatever in my power. I will pray for them. I'm going to sacrifice my time for them. You follow me? When you are filled by the Spirit, you have that fire. And nobody can put it off. It's crazy fire. California fire. You follow me? So, brother and sister, we really need to be serious about that. Don't worry if God is going to answer or not. Is God going to give me the Holy Spirit? Duh. He told you to pray for the Holy Spirit. That means that he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He says if you are evil, still give, if you who are evil give good gifts to your children, how much more? Your father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Jesus told them that I'm going to send you the comforter. Jesus told them, pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. God is waiting for you to thirst for his presence. He is waiting for you, crying and waiting for you to pray to be filled by the Spirit. So as soon as you pray, you are going to make God happy and he is going to start working. And this is not going to be a one-time event. This is a lifelong process until Jesus comes. Therefore, as breathing, you need to pray daily so you have oil daily. So whatever happens, whenever Jesus comes, you are filled. You are ready. You follow me? This is not a one-time deal. Pastor, we pray for a week. This is a daily need. You need to daily be connected. You need to daily be filled again and again and again. Who baptized you? Apollo. Oh, he baptized you with water. You need to be baptized with spirit and fire. You remember? In the New Testament, they would lay hands on them and tell them, you need to be baptized again because you were baptized with water, but not with spirit. You need to be baptized with the spirit. This is a must. This is vital. This is crucial. This is the condition for salvation. This is the key. Shouldn't we focus on it? Let's finish without another story because it's late. I have plenty of stories. I want you to tell you the Bergamo story in Italy, but probably tonight. <clears throat> but let's divide in groups, two, three, not more. If you are in the family, four people, okay, but if you are 10 big family, now divide it into, because otherwise it's going to take forever and I'm hungry. Let's divide in small groups and pray that God will give you awareness of our vital, crucial need for the Holy Spirit. Pray that God would put that thirst in you, that you will daily seek his presence and make him a priority above other things, that you will daily put the Lord first. Make a priority that you will not do it as a duty, but rather with a deep passion to be filled with God's presence. Pray for one another. Pray for your families. Elena says that we should pray for our children to be daily baptized with the Spirit. Pray for your families, your children, your parents, your, to be baptized with the Spirit. When God baptized them with the Spirit, it puts a hedge of protection around, around them against Satan's attack. Pray for your family. Pray for your churches to be baptized and filled with the Spirit. Filled 
with the, with the latter rain. Pray for your city, for your country to experience revival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit under the latter rain. Pray in groups and ask God that you would do that tomorrow again and Monday again and Tuesday again and so on. Let's get in groups. And then I'm going to ask one of the pastors here to come and have the closing prayer. Don't pray long from Adam to Revelation. <laughs> Let the others pray too. You better pray twice short than one time long. If you pray long, next one should stop you and say, Amen, brother. Let me pray now. <laughs> God bless you.
for your mercies, thank you for your grace, thank you for your love. We want to invite you to be, to come in our hearts, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, just want to ask very earnestly today that your Holy Spirit will fill every one of us here in this tent and that you'll sanctify us, 
that you'll enable us to see and to put away anything and everything that would prevent you from filling us with the power of your Spirit. Father, we ask and pray that day by day we'll receive that fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as we spend time at the feet of Jesus, looking into his beautiful face, meditating on his sacrifice, that you will fill us with that holy boldness from on high, that we may go forth and infect our children, our families, our neighbours, our friends, our communities, the world with the love and the grace of Jesus, that the trumpet may sound and that we all may be in your presence forevermore. Ellen White wrote a letter, Father, to a man who went uh, across seas to be persecuted for the case of Christ where Christ had never asked him to go. And Lord, if we don't have your Holy Spirit, we will do the same. The end of that man, he killed himself, Lord. In Steps to Christ, she says that a supposed hope and nothing more will prove our ruin, Lord. We know that the Holy Spirit gives us hope, gives us assurance and certainty. And we need that certainty in our hearts and in our lives and in our churches. Otherwise, we will die, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your grace in sending your Son and for giving us this gift that you want us to have. And you've promised that if we ask, you are more willing to give it to us than a father is to give good gifts to his children. Amen. And now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all and let all people say, Amen.
anybody has lost a key with a tag it's a Mitsubishi white Mitsubishi khaki please come on down and see Sharissa 